0: Episode one hundred and thirty-eight, myth-busting house call chiropractic. I'm your host, Doctor Justin Trosclair, and today we're Doctor Jin Faber perspective. Join twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen podcast awards-nominated hosts as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Well, before we jump in to this world traveler and all-around interesting guest. It saddens me to say that we did not get nominated for the Podcast Awards this year. And I was looking forward to it because I thought one of my past guests, Dr. Tyson Franklin, episode 119, would have made it as well. But we both didn't make it. So who knows what's going on out there. Maybe the people that were nominated this year just had uh, some ravenous fans. I don't know. I was like, I think my fans are pretty good. I know people nominated us. But alas, two out of three years, hey, that's pretty good. But I got great news. This past week, you probably saw it on Facebook, Instagram, anything you follow me on social media. I was pumping my today's choices, tomorrow's health book is the red cover. Well, I heard I was like, man, you know, there's a way to become number one, and there's a whole like marketing plan behind how you do it, and you know, submitting your book to people, different websites, also how you classify yourself in the Kindle and uh, paperback categories and so i went to work did a lot of things behind the scenes and uh, worked pretty hard and guess what number one best selling kindle in six categories that's right and we topped out at the number 105th free download on kindle of all of amazon kindle so that was pretty exciting and then um when it went from free to 99 cents we jumped from not even being on the rankings to being 6 million, all the way to 232,000. That's a huge rank increase. And of course, that's gonna disappear, right? And then actually, for the paid rank in Kindle, it went to number 122. So that's, that's all right by me. So I appreciate everybody who downloaded it, who shared it. And it's good to see that my marketing is working. So if you have any questions on how to do that, let me know. I can do it for you as well. And before we jump into the episode, past guest, Dr. Christy Boyles from Australia, episode 122, she has finally released her allied wellness program at alliedwellness.com.au. And it's a system for doctors to address the five categories in patients' health that may or may not be being addressed very well hydration, nutrition, sleep, stress management, and movement. Now, so to help improve their fundamentals, it gives you tools to assess, booklets, and diaries for the patients to to document what they're doing, and it gives the patients access to a full library of resources, or you can guide them and hold workshops with the information that is provided in this library. So it's kind of like a hand-holding process for you, which is nice, you don't have to create the information. All you have to do is kind of assess, which was, like I said they give you, what the patient is lacking, and then you just give them the booklet, give them some pointers, point them to some of the things in the library that you think they should check out, and away they go. Now this, for lifetime access, is normally 397 Australian dollars but if you use promo code podcast promo code podcast you can get it for 297 Australian dollars which is 201 US dollars 180 euros or 21,000 Japanese yen since those are some of the big areas where i uh, have an audience so if you're interested in that alliedwellness.com.au check the transcript let's jump in here we go dr jen house call. Now I'm not going to give away her whole story, but just to say she had a six figure house call business in Washington, DC. And her thing is like, look, I was good at it. Did it for six years, but my higher calling was to help more doctors, which one to her help more patients. And she was already having people ask her like, how do you do it? Here's the same question she had to answer over and over and over again. So what does that do? That leads you to creating a program. So that's what she did. I mean, low overhead cash, don't have to deal with insurance. You get more time with patients, higher fees. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to switch. From being a burned-out practice owner who may or may not be making a lot of money, or wish they could spend more time, not taking vacations, um, at the mercy of the schedule that you created, you know, ten years ago. So we talk a lot about that. And what's really cool is that she is going to be on her way to a long trip because she's you know virtual, digital, and so we do talk about at the end uh, some fun traveling stories and places to go visit across the world. And she has some pretty cool advice on uh, the relationships, which you know we always try to cover a little bit of that. There's about a five or twelve minute spot around, probably minute forty-ish around there, where kind of feels more like a, like a kind of like a sales pitch, but it's just her being who she is, like explaining the program and like who would use it, and so it's not meant to be like a hard sell. But if you're just like, oh, here comes the sales, just fast forward a little bit, pass pass that up a little, and then you'll get to the good stuff with the traveling and um, the rest of our conversation, and and you'll be you'll be glad you did, you'll be glad you stayed tuned. Also, this should be released in its completeness, pre-roll, post-roll, and in between for uh, a YouTube. She was actually able to record it on her end. So we're going to post it and um, let me know what you think, what a polished podcast looks like versus the raw material. All the show notes on this episode, a doctorsperspective.net slash 138, including the transcript. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China and Utah, today on the show, we have a consultant, if you will, a nomad lifestyle, which is pretty sweet. Uh, Her passion is uh, performance. She has one word that she likes to live by, elevate. This is pretty funny. A transformation coach, joy magnet, and convention buster. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, (laughs) And she's been featured on CBS, Fierce CEO, Project Happiness, and The CW. Please welcome Dr. Jen Faber.
1: Hey, Dr. Justin, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to being
0: on today. Did I get it right?
1: You got it great. It was fantastic. Good Did your research. <laughs> <I try. laughs>
0: when people have videos, just watching people. <laughs> My goodness. The pre chat has been amazing. Things in common. We both are going to travel. We have traveled. Uh, we both had a clinic and now we don't. And you also wrote two books. We didn't even mention that yet. And, um, One's called 90 Day Life and one is called Elevate Your Life Method. So that could be maybe a, a good jumping point from instead of us going way back to why you picked chiropractic, maybe how'd you go get out of the daily grind and into what you're doing now in book writing and kind of being more uh, consultant Dr. Jin instead?
1: Yeah, I think that's a good place to start. Um, so give really good just context of how I got to this stage. And a lot of it for me really has been figuring out what is my ultimate truth What do I ultimately want to do with my life? How do I ultimately want to spend my time? In my years of consulting, I've also recognized that both doctors, people in our profession, and outside of it, a lot of times feel very much caught by what convention tells us what to do. How should we practice? How should we work? How should we live? Who should we be? What path should we stay on? And I think so many people feel really stuck on that path. And I did too. When I was in a conventional private practice that was very high volume, I felt incredibly stuck on that path. And now that was back in 09, so that's you know 10 years ago. And that's what helped me transition to realizing I did not want to stay stuck in this conventional way of practice and conventional way of life because it didn't work for me. Fast forwarding to today, everything that I do is to help people really figure out what is their truth. What is it that makes them happy? How is it that they want to spend their time? What do they want to fill their days with? Because over the years, I've made a lot of decisions to really reinvent the course of my life. You and I both share a bond of having left private practice and now moving on to different chapters. I've left private practice. I've sold all of my possessions to travel. I've done a lot of things to tear my life apart so I can rebuild it. And so many people, Justin, have come up to me and said, you're so lucky to do what you do. You're so lucky to be able to travel. You're so lucky to be able to, to write and to be an author. And every time I will say I am not lucky. <laughs> there is nothing about this that's luck. Everything is something that I had to consciously put intention towards creating. I had to be very conscious about taking risks and walking away from what I knew, no matter how crazy people, society, a profession thought I was, and really listen to what I want. So that from a 30,000 foot view is what brought me to this point where now, I write books to help people wake up, I coach and consult people to help them wake up to the life that they want and the path they wanna create. If they're stuck and not happy with where they are, how do we really get connected to their priorities, their values, their truth, so they can live into
0: it. Now, do you do any type of chiropractic at all? House call visits or anything like that anymore?
1: No, I stepped away from private practice in 2014. So the quick backstory to that is I left a high volume associateship in 2009 after two years of being in the profession. And Justin, it was crazy. Oh, two, two years, years. In, Yeah, it was really, really, really early on. So I graduated in 06, left the associateship world in 2009, and that was because I was frankly tired of seeing 60 to 80 patients a day. And I was in an environment that was very high stress, very high pressure. I was in that classic eat your young associate uh, uh. Uh, position. That, unfortunately, I think is just still really common today. I I talk to doctors on a weekly basis that are in a really similar spot. So in 2009, I realized I just couldn't continue on that path as an associate, but I also didn't want to continue in the typical private practice world when I saw the expense and the stress that it would take to actually make it run. And I understood why high volume is actually more of a necessity than a gold standard to make enough money to make money in practice. So... when I transitioned house calls and thankfully one patient as an associate said to me would you ever come to my office I lived in Washington DC at the time and that one little question stuck in my head and she said would you ever consider that because the traffic is crazy and it's hard to get to you and would you ever consider doing that and so when I left as an associate that question like planted a seed in my brain and made me realize house calls makes so much sense to me And I could elaborate further on that but to get to your question then I did house calls for six years, and I built my practice in Washington, D.C. I built a thriving patient base. I was actually in a really great place. I was fully booked. I had a waiting list. I I didn't have to change a thing, so I was doing great. The irony is that right when I'd reached this pinnacle of success in practice, I had so many colleagues then start to reach out to me saying, how are you doing this? They would tell me stories of, I, I'm just I understand your story, I'm an associate, I'm burned out, or I've had a private practice and I can't afford to make ends meet, and I either have to choose to become a real estate agent or or try to figure this out and keep grinding You know, 60, 80 hours a week. Right. So 2014, I was at a crossroads. Do I stick with a private practice that I spent years building that was thriving, six figures, booked, I mean, I was doing awesome, or do I step into a greater purpose, which is really what I've always wanted to do, is to make a greater impact on our profession and honestly on the planet to help people who just don't feel like they fit the conventional mold. So 2014 is when I switched to consulting a hundred percent and it was a hard decision, but an easy one at the same time. It was hard because my hands missed, working with patients and they still do, but I knew that my greater mission, I knew if I could help every single doctor, if I could help them build a practice that was more authentic, gave them more freedom, allow them to spend more time with their patients, I in turn was helping patients in a, in a kind of indirect way. So that's where I really felt my satisfaction. And now for the past five years, I've been consulting a hundred percent and wouldn't change it for the world.
0: Wow. Okay. Uh, House calls I'm excited about that Recently just from Joining a Facebook group And kind of seeing The potential in that But to yeah. see someone Who actually got fully booked And I guess maybe DC. Well DC is pretty big I mean that's a big area To cover It's not like uh, Concentrated effort Where you're just like I don't have to really Go that far Everywhere is five minutes away like, No that's, it's pretty far And you're able to do that So to me that's, that's hope When I go back If I try to go that route Like okay There's somebody that's doing it There's somebody that can Actually help you In that situation Yeah because, you know, like you said, a lot of coaches, I think you should always have a coach. They're always brick and mortar. They're always kind of preaching the old school, 1990s and maybe early 2000s kind of stuff. And you're like, that's not really, I don't jive well with that anymore. Okay. Yeah. And then consulting. How When you quit, did you kind of do a transition where you started backing off and start trying to get more, you know, money through that first? Like, okay, they said, yes, I can survive. Or was it just cold turkey?
1: Right. It was, it was complete cold turkey. Oh It was a bit, yeah, I, I I tend to do that. I'm a bit of a spontaneous creature and it maybe isn't always the smartest thing, but I also know if I try to ease out of something to step into something else, it's actually harder. I'd rather just rip the bandaid off and go for it. So I was also looking to transition out of DC. So I'm planning to relocate to Miami. So what I ended up doing is I ended up essentially selling my patient base to a local chiropractor. It wasn't, there weren't house call chiropractors there at the time, but I sold my patient base to um, a chiropractor locally and packed up my stuff, moved down to Miami with my partner and started my online business, which was completely liberating and really terrifying. I remember waking up, knowing I could stay in my pajamas and have my coffee or my tea and work from home for the day. And then I thought, well, how do I do this? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so that transition was, was definitely a cold switch. And it was a massive learning curve on how to figure out how to really make money online and how to get clients online. When I was so used to everything being very personal, right? As a chiropractor, everything is face-to-face. It's, it's touch. It's very intimate.
0: It's easier in a sense. It is. It's like, D.C., now it's the whole United States.
1: And and beyond, honestly. But I mean, a lot of it is really figuring out. And and this applies actually a lot to consulting, too, because I talk a lot about marketing and the house call practice role, but also, you know, larger world outside of that as a consultant of what's your message? You know, what is really the message of how do you want to connect with your people? And from the house call standpoint, my people, it's like in our conversation, they're people who don't fit in high volume. They don't want to stare at the same four walls every day. They don't want to work 80 hours a week. They don't want to see patients every five minutes. They want something different. And unfortunately, they're bombarded with a message and a common path of how they're supposed to practice. So they feel like the oddball. They feel like the unicorn. So I like to come in and give them a voice that says, I understand where you're at. I've been there. I'm on the other side. I've seen the light. I'm happy to help guide you through it and how to do it right. Because It's easy when you want to switch to a different practice model or a different life model to really question yourself because it's not typical. And it could be very easy to retreat and stay back into that. So I think that's really important is to figure out when you're making kind of a cold turkey switch, you have to really understand why you're doing what you're doing, who you're doing it for, because there's going to be a lot of days that you could really struggle and question if this is the right path, but you have to be really committed to why you want to make that change.
0: Now, did this turn into like an 80 hour a week? Because I'm thinking, I mean, I don't know, obviously, I don't know what you charge per hour, but you got to factor that in. You might work 30 hours on that. You got to do marketing and all this other stuff. So did it actually reduce your load as, because some of us pretend like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm going to be my own boss. And then you're like, whoa, this is way worse than being an associate. Like there's so much more burden (laughs) and expenses and time and I'm never actually off work. So how'd that play out?
1: Well, it's interesting. There's two ways I'd like to answer that. But do you want a perspective of when I switch into a house call practice? Or do you want that perspective when I switch to online?
0: Boy, let's, let's do I'm, I'm so passionate about both. Um, let's do online, though. Well, I can do both. What actually what I would like to do, let's do this with the consulting. And then I'll have you answer a couple questions about like, what's something that house call people can do, like as far as marketing or a, a common niche that you might find or the way to position themselves. Does that sound all right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll kind of help segue it, I think. Yeah, I totally get where you want to go, for sure. Okay. So I think first, for I mean, to be completely fair, any anytime that we make a switch into something new, odds are is you're going to bust your tail doing it. And so the first several, honestly, couple of years of figuring out the online space, I was putting in... Really long hours and really long weeks. But I would say that wasn't so much because of necessity as opposed to what I thought I had to do. Not using my time as productively as I could have out of the gate. You know, having the luxury to work from home, it's very easy to fill your days and it's very easy to always find something to do and find something to work on. And I think that's a common thread no matter what type of business you have. If you're a business owner, whether it's in practice or online. It's very easy to fill that void, and I think we're also taught that we're supposed to you know I think we're taught that we're supposed to work our tails off, and the harder we work earlier in life, the better the rewards that are gonna pay off so my first couple of years, I completely followed that. you know, I followed that idea of work eighty hours a week for yourself not have to work forty hours for a boss, although I worked six hours for a boss, <laughs> <It's> that different <laughs> so but I think um. If I could just do a little two-part answer to that. The biggest thing for for being a consultant is the way that I serve people now is through some private coaching, but a lot of it's through my online programs and um, online training, online coaching that I've really figured out how can I systemize and how can I automate it so I can still give personalized support, but not have to provide the same exact coaching over the phone that I know I could give via video or audio. So a lot of it for me was figuring out so I'm not, how can I serve as many people as possible? Because there's only so many hours in the week. I can't just do hundred percent one-to-one. How can I serve as many people as possible? And for me, that's when I got opened up into the world of the, online programs and taking your knowledge and packaging it and systemizing it. Cause with house calls, I get the same questions. How do you do it? How much do you charge? How do you market? will it work in my area? What if people say no? What if people want to take insurance? What should I schedule? What hours should I do? Right? All of these similar questions that I had. Right. Right. And so a lot of it is came to figuring out how do I take, what is my expertise? What is my knowledge? What do my people need to know? And then what is the journey I need to take them on to do it right based on my own mistakes in practice and what I, what I took years to figure out how can I accelerate the learning curve for every single one of my clients and package that into a system so that week by week I'm taking someone on a journey that's going to help them get from point A being burned out to point B, transforming their business and life.
0: That's literally what we want, though. It'd be nice to just say, Hey, here's a three hour initial week to get everything answered and then whatever else you're gonna say. But that's what we want. We don't if, if I can just watch some videos with the same questions we always ask and then whatever it is, like once a month we get on the call and talk, mm-hmm. it's like, Yeah, here's the fine tuning things that I have an issue with. Yes. Based on everything that I already watched, instead of answering the same question. This is that's fantastic yes, to me.
1: Yes and and the combination is, it's, it works great for both people, right? Because I i don't want to be on the phone for 40 hours a week. It's not, it doesn't make sense. And then I can only help, I can only help 40 people, you know, at one time. But in turn, I mean, we live in this world of instant gratification, right? We want to access content when we want to access it, this Netflix style world. So I think it works great to your point too, is because people can, They can put their kids to bed and then go in and hop into the program, right? Or they can, you know, wake up early in the morning and submit a question through a help desk. And it just makes life easier for all involved. So from the standpoint of like these kind of two chapters of my life of consulting now, but also what it was like in my house call practice, the funny mistake that I made when I transitioned into house calls is that I had the same exact hours as an associate. I set the same exact hours, 8 to 1, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday and Saturday. Thinking that's what I had to do because that's what I was taught. That's what I saw all my peers doing, all of my colleagues doing. And I hated it. (laughs) I completely hated it. Because uh, when you're trying to also, you're trying to see patients in those hours, then you're trying to find time to market. I woke up in a couple months realizing this is not why I decided to be my own boss and have my own practice. So I dramatically cut my hours from eight to noon, Monday through Thursday, select Fridays, no Saturdays. So I had three day weekends every week. I worked mornings because I knew I wanted to work mornings. And that's when the switch started to happen. When I realized not often enough are we being taught to think about what we want, as opposed to being taught, this is what you're supposed to do. This is what you should do. This is what the people in your community want. The more that I see doctors compromise and follow convention if it doesn't fit them, the faster I see them burning out and the least successful they are. When I coach my doctors on how to connect with what they want, their hours, their fees, their people, their voice, their message, their practice accelerates. It goes through the roof. And I think that's all about authenticity as opposed to what's expected of them.
0: Yeah, when it's coming from the heart. See, yeah, exactly. I would have thought house call, you'd be super busy between like four and eight o'clock at night. I thought you'd be forced to kind of work night shifts, people are off work, yada, yada, yada.
1: It's the funniest thing in most, most... Doctors and eventual clients will come to me with that question, and there's always this uncertainty up front. There's that misnomer that you have to always be available with house calls because of the nature of the business, right? You think 1800s, black doctor's bag, driving up to the driveway, right, and coming to a patient's home.
0: Mama goes to work at home, usually, as what he Yeah,
1: says. exactly. But what gets missed in that, though, is what, what I like to help share with a doctor is, Let's get creative on your community and let's get creative and understand first the pulse of your community, but also how you want to work. You're still the doctor. It's still your practice. Your hours are your hours. You can work eight to five in a private practice and people take off time to come see you. With house calls, we have the advantage to go to a patient's home or office and bring the care right to them. So my standpoint always holds true of go with the hours that you want to work your patients will happily work with you, especially when you let them know, hey, I'm going to make this really convenient. You could just take a step away from your desk. You can just stay in your pajamas before going to work, and I'll take care of you before you head off to work. So that's, there were so many switches I had to turn off. So just what you said is really interesting, because I had to turn off all the things that says, yeah, but shouldn't I do it this way? But yeah, but like, wouldn't patients want to do this? And I had to just turn all of that off and ask myself, what do I want? I want to work mornings, okay? Knowing that, now I, how do I promote mornings, right? Who are the types of people that I'll want to work with? And it was beautiful. I had individual house calls. I had offices I would go to, and it just made it super seamless. But I had to be defiantly committed to what I want, and I had to do something that I think is hard for doctors to do. I had to put myself first. And it's hard
0: yeah. as
1: a doctor because – we, we go into this profession, right? Because we want to serve other people. It's what drives us. We are the nurturers of this planet. We want to help people get healthy. But one of the reasons why a high percentage of chiropractors and health professionals are burning out is because they're not making any room for them. Right. There's no conversation in their mind for what they want. So I always encourage people to lead with what they want first so that. They can build a practice and life that's in alignment with themselves, and then the right patients will follow. That way, they're not trying to market all over or drive all over or be a thousand different types of doctors, right? Just be, be who they want to be. Be Dr. Jen. Be Dr. Justin. So I'm so glad you said that because for me, I'm always like myth busting. No, think about it this way. Put yourself first. Don't listen to what you're being taught. Connect with you.
0: Because that's going to be tough because a lot of people don't really know what they want. They just took whatever's in the door. They're like, yes, yes, I know. We're supposed to niche down. Yes, my target market is blah, blah, blah. But in reality, you're going to take whatever walks in that door and you just hope it's more headaches because that's what you've been marketing. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine in the same way when you're trying to say, okay, I'm going to do, do house calls. I don't know. what to, I don't know. Do I want to do athletes? Do I want to go to businesses? Is it weird? Do I feel comfortable walking into the bank and saying, hey. I can adjust everybody here if you want me to, you know, or you know, <laughs> how do you do that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think a lot of it, when, when I find, you know, there are some doctors I work with that actually have some good clarity and I can kind of pull it out of them. I'm like, what's the type of patient that you want to work with? I think interestingly enough, though, what happens is when it comes to marketing, it's not even so much, I think, the type of patient as it is like the 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 like the demographic, are they athletes, are they professionals? But it's really more about like the vibe of that person, right? Yeah. It's more about like, what is the energy that that patient is bringing into your practice? Because the danger of running, well, anything in life, but practice business stuff from a place of desperation and stress, you're going to get the bargain hunters, you're going to get the coupon shoppers, you're going to get the coupon patients, you're going to get the patients that aren't, super compliant, don't right. follow through, not wellness. And that doesn't mean we can't serve them. It, I'm not dogging on them at all, right? We can, we can help anybody with the spine, right? It's pretty simple. But in the world of what is the energy of what you want to bring into your practice, if I find that a doctor is struggling with what is that specific type of patient, then I like to go to, okay, talk to me about your people. Who are the people you love to be with? What's their vibe? What's their personality like? What do they like to do? How do they like to fill their time? How do they like to live? Right? Because wouldn't it be more fun to actually fill your projects with those people? And then that's when the light bulb typically turns on. And they're like, oh, got it. Okay. Now that I know who these people are, like, think about your friends, think about your favorite patients.
0: Think about who's your most annoying patient and why are they so annoying to you? Why do you hate when they come in? Like, (laughs) oh, that's what you don't want to have in your clinic. What's the opposite? Yeah,
1: exactly. And sometimes that's needed, right? And that's where I find a lot of, a lot of doctors come to me because they want to run away from what hasn't worked. They want to walk away from what they don't like. And sometimes that's the best place to start. What do you hate? What's not working for you? And a lot of times, I'll hear things like the long days, the insurance grind, marketing all over the place, patients not following through, no time for vacations, no money in their bank account. I'm like, great. We now we know all of that stuff. Let's look to the opposite and let's actually craft what you want. It can feel like a big gap for a lot of doctors because you know they just been, we've been taught that there is a certain way on how to practice. So even when it comes to the type of people you want to work with, a lot of it comes down to really like, what is your, what's that energy? What are the qualities that you really appreciate? So for me, it was somewhat easy in the sense that I love working with athletes. I, I knew it from the get-go I had Athletic patients as an associate. I knew that's what I wanted to go after. But why did I like them? Well, it's because they had a zest for life. They were always pushing their limits. They're tenacious creatures that are always thinking of what's the next thing to do, what's the next fear to overcome, what's the next personal best they can set. And I knew I wanted to fill my practice with that kind of fire, with people who were so on, not people who are just kind of humdrum and walking through life. So because of that, then my message and my marketing and my essence shine through everything in my practice. So it wasn't just doing marketing a chiropractic adjustment or marketing a new patient visit, but it was using messaging that, that correlated with those qualities. So when the right people read it, they were like, oh, I like the sound of this doctor. <laughs> like this makes yeah, sense yeah. to me. You know what I mean? So you have to like put out that vibe of what do you want to attract so it'll come back to you. Because the desperate tactics do not work. I've seen it time and time again, and I've experienced it too. So I'm very protective of my people who want to go down that path. Working harder is not
0: smarter, ever. couple of random follow-ups here on this one. Sure. I interviewed someone, I think it's next week's uh, podcast, and uh, it'll be the week after that person. So if you're mix, mixed and confused now, everyone, uh, just bear with me. Um, but I was asking, I was like, hey, do you get to see patients more than once a week, home call, house call type of setting? And then when you are at somebody's place, are you able to like put a sign out or like, hey, Can you try to tell your buddies in the here since we're already at this, at your neighborhood? Maybe you have like four or five neighbors that might want the same thing and we can just.
1: Yeah. Yeah, sure. So so two-part question. That first question is how many times to see a patient, right? And that's the thing in chiropractic, right? It's super common that you're going to see patients two, three times a week up twice. front. Yeah, for sure. So you absolutely can. There's no reason why you can't. A lot of doctors think that they can't because of the fees, because you charge more house calls, and then it's that belief of, will convenience afforded and all that stuff. So it's so much mindset But they work. still need the care. They still need the care, right? And now they're paying for the convenience. So you absolutely can. And a lot of times doctors will ask, well, you know, how many times should I treat a patient? How should I manage their cases? I'm like, that's for for you to decide because it's up to you in terms of how many treatments do you think that patient needs? You're just going to their home. That's the only difference, the only difference. Now, there is something that I typically notice, though, that I notice for myself and I also notice with my clients, is that when it comes to house calls, one of the common threads is that doctors want to spend more time with their patients, They feel too rushed in practice. So a lot of doctors will go from seeing patients every 5 to 7 to 10 minutes and will spend 20 to 30 minutes with the patient because typically what doctors will want to do is they'll want to provide more services. I'll have so many doctors come to me and say, I want to do soft tissue. I want to do rehab. I want to do nutrition. I want to do ergonomics. I want to do more posture work. So when they switch to these longer appointments, what they'll typically find is that patients actually need less frequent care because they're allowing their patients to be more advocates, uh, better advocates, excuse me, because they can do more appointments. But in turn, they're also providing more care per appointment. And I noticed that myself. I was at a a three, three visits a week associateship and I would go down to one visit a week typically at the beginning. Now, if I had an athlete with an injury, a major sprain, strain, repetitive stress issue, absolutely, I would see him a couple times a week for the first several weeks. It just depended on the case. But yeah, you could absolutely see patients exactly as you would in private practice. You're just, or in a brick and mortar, you're just going to their home or office. But I would also say that doctors can give themselves some levity and that if they're providing more care, service, TLC, odds are in your favor that patients may accelerate faster. And it's a win-win because you get to spend more time with your patients, you're charging more for your services, you're getting it as cash, you're getting paid directly, so you you actually make a more profitable practice and make it into more wellness faster. Um, so with your second question, which I forgot. <laughs>
0: <You're my first laughs> yeah, yeah no, I shouldn't have done that. No, to I caught you. know, a cold. Um you're in a neighborhood, you're at Bob's house. Do you put a sign? Do you have a sign on your door? You're like, hey, dude, you probably have 15 neighbors, maybe a couple of those people. I'm already here. Yeah, for sure. Use my time wisely. Yeah,
1: you know, I never, I would probably personally never, um, never coach or recommend someone to actually put up signage in front of someone's home or office just because it's their own private space, right? That being said, though, something that can work really nice is to actually have some type of branding on your car. You can absolutely do that. So if you're, Driving by and someone sees you, great, they can give you a call or check out your website. Sure, you can absolutely do that. But what I find is more powerful, marketing as a whole with house calls is just that power of word of mouth, that power of providing a really exquisite experience for your patients that they're not going to get from a typical brick-and-mortar practice especially if a doctor is one going to their home or office, providing them more time that in and of itself is going to be one of the best marketing tools ever. And making sure that you understand how to ask for referrals, but that's one of the best ways that you can actually grow in different neighborhoods or different locations is that power of word of mouth. And, it makes me think one of my favorite experiences with my house call practice was I would have three, uh, it's like three friends, really, really great friends, lifelong friends. They would meet at one house every other week. So I'd the three of them as wellness patients every other week, they'd all be hanging out, in the room, work on a as at a time, and, and then they would chill and hang out with each other. It was phenomenal. It was a great experience. So that can happen very organically too, I thought Both of the home setting. But also in the office too, where all of a sudden you see one employee and other employees start to share. So yeah, I encourage you to put signage in front of someone's house. Just saying, <laughs> and if there's, there's much more effective. way much more effective to mark that. But, but yes, we're not really powerful with model for sure.
0: Okay. See, and I think when I when I look at that, I think you should have a good business card. You know, there's a lot of generic, dumb business cards that we all have. But if you're going to be mobile. I don't know, I know business cards aren't everything because it's about the personal connection, but I would think you'd want a quality one, maybe from Moo.com or something like that, but just something where you see, you're like, oh, this is high quality. Mm -hmm. This is setting you apart, a weird shape, I don't know, (laughs) something, because you're going to be around a lot of people and you're going to have to try to get them your information somehow. It's not like, oh, I'm on the corner of 104th and church range. What? Right. (laughs) No, you're not. Right. You're not.
1: Well, what's interesting is you're, you're you may laugh and, and be a little surprised when you hear me say this, but I actually try to encourage my clients more often than not to not market with the business card as much as possible. Sometimes I'll actually and I'll share it to you why in a second. So uh, sometimes I'll like especially if I have doctors who are really dependent on the business card, because I've had docs who will market and they'll say, hey, I passed the so business cards today and they'll feel really excited about it. And I'll say, oh, so many patients got from that. Well, none so far. So,
0: Did you talk to them or did you just give them a card? Exactly.
1: So sometimes I really like to throw out that challenge, especially for my private clients. And they'll love me and pay for it because they'll do like a two-week challenge that says, okay, the so next two weeks you don't pass out a single business card. We're going to market this completely differently. Because what tends to happen is I see marketing as is, is two different sides. You have passive marketing and you have active marketing passive marketing, which I totally did because I was completely scared to market up front. I'm super shy and introverted. I would do that. I'd go to networking events, pass out the business card, hoping it was fancy schmancy enough to go to my website or give me a call. Or I'd sneak it to the stores. You know, that little area where they put the flyers. Oh. Up, and they're like, Oh, I'm going to pin a flyer, and <laughs> it's a really good looking flyer and This is going to get patients." And that's all I would do. Yet I would fill my date. That's so much stuff. But, there's no opportunity to be the doctor marketing that way. And I love to talk about marketing from the standpoint of being the doctor because doctors tend to freak out when it comes to marketing. thinking well, Now I've put on my marketing app. what do I say, how do I, it? how do I do it the right way? But in turn, if you actually think about being the doctor and stop just passing stuff out, hoping it'll work and be active in your marketing, then have conversations with people. Educate people in your community. When you have someone that you're talking with at an event, have a conversation with them about health. If they're having trouble, you can help them. Then invite them to work with you. Invite them to a consultation. Find a new patient. Right. right. So our our job as doctors is to be leaders. Right. To lead. Individuals in our communities to state a state of higher health and well being. And you're not going to do that just passing on a card. Now, my friend, if it is a good looking business card, that can absolutely help. But we just can't depend on it. So <laughs> when, when when doctors are going out and they're doing um, a health fair, I like doing this, a health talk, building stuff on their website, putting things out on their media page. You can't just throw out a bunch of content or, or share a bunch of stuff up and people will like you. You have to propel the person to action and you propel people to action by really doing two things. One, you help them connect with what their pain is. Not even so much in a physical sense, but how is their current state of impacting their quality of life? What can't they do? What are they afraid to do? How's that affecting their day-to-day life? Have anyone honest conversation with them. Or when you're doing a talk about uh, a health talk, do it about a topic. That's, don't, don't do it about a chiropractic. Do it about something your people care about, a topic that they care about. Exactly. So, right, so when you get people to really connect with, like, what's within them that, that they know they need to get fixed, that they're putting on meds or putting it off of- as a help, go there, educate them on that, have conversations about that, do talks around those side topics. They do that. And then if you do the second thing of actually propelling someone to an action with you to sign up for your newsletter, join your group or get an email list, sign up for a consult, that is for marketing's effective. So many doctors will bang their heads people saying I've, I've marketed 10 hours this week and nothing has happened and it's because they're just passing stuff out. So, so that's why I like to throw out the challenge of don't use a business card because it forces you to be that doctor and be that leader in your community and really get people to wake up, which is, I think, part of why we're in this profession to begin with. Wake up to their health again. Don't just accept it as it is, you know?
0: Yeah. Before we jump into... A little bit of the books. People are always hating on somebody. Do they ever? You ever get the oh, Doctor Jin, just another guru trying to make a buck on the chiropractic people. Do you ever get that kind of stuff? And, and yeah. how do you deal with that? You
1: know, I. That's a great question. I haven't, I haven't gotten that a ton. I mean, look, there's bullies out there. I have gotten hate around the house call model. I have gotten hate around people who who really love high volume, who really love brick and mortar saying that you know what i'm doing will never work or it's a sham or it's a farce or this is a joke, and there's, there's who no goes to way. somebody's house yeah exactly there's no way that this can work and you know, I've, I mean, I've had people threaten to, to sue me because I'm I'm preaching a business model that actually isn't isn't effective. I'm like, actually it is very effective. So I <laughs> I haven't had the just another guru and someone's trying to just make a buck, though I know it's out there. Um, but for me, I mean it's been very rare. Like I could probably count on two hands in the past like five years of consulting that I've had someone on Facebook put out a hateful message. But it's typically because it's someone who Probably, I'm guessing, either really loves high volume or they've been so attached to high volume brick and mortar that they don't know any different and they feel really, really stuck in it that I'm an easy target. Because here I am coming in kind of a young blood saying, hey, there's this completely different way to practice. Um, No, I haven't gotten that. What I have, what I, yeah, I mean... They're, I'll, I'll, get, I'll hear from doctors who you know, would really love to work with me and they'd really love to sign up for my program and, and maybe they feel like they can't afford it at the time and they want to do it later. Um, I'll get that sometimes, you know, but it's also in fairness because, you know, associates don't get paid a lot. People in private practice a lot of times don't make a lot. When that happens, my job is to be their advocate and help get creative in either figuring out what are different ways they can make an investment in themselves or two, are they just afraid to make that step? if they know in their heart of hearts they want to transition to house calls but they're terrified out of their mind to drop a couple thousand to work with a consultant because maybe they've worked with a coach in the past and it hasn't worked
0: maybe they're yeah. afraid, maybe they're
1: afraid that house calls won't work for them maybe they're afraid they're going to get a
0: coach that doesn't listen
1: to them really make sure to
0: you spend the money and you can't get out of it
1: yeah exactly
0: You're like, ah, I'm stuck.
1: Yeah, exactly, which is why I try to be super transparent. I mean, look, like you could go right on my website and learn all about the program, like what it costs and what it includes and everything. If you have questions, you can email me anytime. Um, Sometimes i like to even get on the phone. If people are really stuck and want to know more about me and the program, I'm like, great. You tell me all of your questions. You tell me all of your fears. Let's flesh it out. Let's also make sure this is a good fit, right? I want to make sure I'm a good fit for you and you're a good fit for me because I don't like to take on everybody if they're not a good fit either. So a lot of times, <laughs> the most common question, which is which is really more of a fear of action, is can I afford it? Underneath that is typically a, I'm afraid to fail. And because of that, I'm afraid to invest in my future.
0: Because I could put that on a credit card if I had to. Yeah. I don't want to, but I might have to, because that's the only way I can do it.
1: Yeah, or maybe I have to put it on two credit cards or, or any of those things. that's where my... I never like to sell people, and I think unfortunately we get sold a lot on a lot of things. I think you know, not so much gurus and stuff, but I think in the online space, right, buy this new thing, get this new thing, get this new package yeah. program or
0: 297, 495 and you're like, yeah, exactly. oh, that was worth 45 guys. Yeah,
1: exactly. which is why honestly, like when I in, in any of my training like free training videos or webinars, or if I get on the phone with someone. I don't want to talk about price until the way, way, way end because I want to make sure that this person, this potential like, client is someone that I know I can genuinely help, but also like- Yeah, weed them out. Yeah. And also what's really going on in their mind, right? Because a lot of doctors are just terrified that they're going to be stuck and burned out and are going to have to leave a profession they thought they'd spend a lifetime doing. And those are really deep fears when you've got a six-figure student loan debt, staring you down, and you've got bills every month, and you've got kids to take care of. So I I really love to be that that empath, and just be like, tell me about your life. Tell me where you're struggling. Let's now create a future for what you want. And I'm also real, you know, I never say, if you work with me, you're gonna get these results. I can't guarantee that, just like we can't guarantee results with a patient. I can guarantee how I show up, and then if I'm working with someone who is defiantly committed to changing their way of life, and we can create some magic. But I have to sometimes help yeah. them see that in themselves because they've been so beaten down or their self esteem is kind of in the trenches because they've been paid crap, they're working their tail off, they're not the type of doctor they want to be. So part of it's just rebuilding them back up again to help them understand what they can really do. And and that's also I enjoy that. I hel- I love helping to wake people back up and see, well, this is what they can actually do. This is what's possible.
0: What is that website?
1: Housecallpractice.com. If people want to get information specifically on who I am, my program, how I help, all the information's there. I've got house call specific books there. I've got free training there. Um, I've got information on my programs right there. Um, and I have two different programs. I have an, an eight-week house call practice program, and I also have a, a coaching option for people who already have established house call practices. So all the info's right there. And then if people want to get to know more about me on the more performance, burnout, life, um, unconventional life side, then they can go to drjenfauber.com and everything's there
0: too. So this might be funny, maybe not. I didn't even know about the house call practice consulting before we got on this call.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: I saw you were like, oh, you're a house call practice person. Cool. She wrote a book. That's kind of cool too. And, you know, kind of like the transformation type thing. So I was like, yeah, let's see if she'll come on. And then you got all this other stuff. And I'm like, yes, a bonus.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, actually a lot of my, so everything about how I transitioned into, we could probably have like two separate interviews, like what I need. But like, <laughs> but when it comes to like, I don't know, I'm guessing people who listen to you, probably the house call stuff is, is maybe more relevant. But um, yeah, so on that website, like I actually have two two books um, related to building a house call practice on that site. So if people so- just want to, just want to read into it a little bit. You'll see it right on the website. Just go to books, and they're right there. One is kind of like a shorter ebook guide, and then the other is more of a longer um, breaking down my story, my lessons, my journey, so I can share that with others. That's that's all on there too. And and that's really that's really where I started to find my voice, both as an author and as a consultant, because everything about a house call practice is unconventional. Everything about it's unconventional, yeah. right? It's low volume it's low overhead, it's more time with patients, it's charging more per person, per appointment, it's cash versus insurance. I mean, you can't get much more unconventional than, than the brick and mortar model. And I love that about this practice model because who I am as a person and who I love to attract are those people who just do not fit the mold. And, and it is my hope that over time, over the next five to 10 years, that this model gets more readily embraced, where I'd love to be able to spearhead it, where this type of curriculum is actually in schools, where students can get more exposed to it, where there's more continuing education about it. Uh, I'd love to be able to spearhead some of that stuff, because it's, I'm never going to be one to tell to say that high volume is wrong. I'm never going to be one to right. say that you should not do brick and mortar. My mission is just to let people know if they don't fit in that world, here's another path for you, my friend.
0: We don't even know that there was an option.
1: No, we're not exposed to it. Not at all. And I remember when I decided to start my house call practice and... Location aside, a lot of doctors would say to me, oh, it'll never work in DC. Um, Everyone wants to use their insurance. Um, No one's gonna wanna pay you cash. I had colleagues who were in typical brick and mortar saying, well, this will never work and people will never pay you more, all of these things. And I could have so listened to those naysayers and I just wanna give a little love to people who are listening to this that if there are naysayers in your life that are talking you out of a path that gets you excited, You have to turn on that noise. And every time I had someone criticize my path, in my head I would just say, watch me. Just watch me. Watch and see what I'm going to create. I had to be that tenacious for myself because when I started my house call practice, I'm in this empty one-bedroom apartment. I have nothing but a mattress. I have no patience. (laughs) I have no money. I remember calling my mom bawling like a baby because I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I couldn't turn back. I knew brick and mortar wasn't for me. And in that moment, I remember thinking someday I want to help other people who feel exactly like I do. I never wanted other people to feel alone like I did because in that moment, God, I felt so alone. I mean, there was no one oh, out there teaching you how to do this stuff. I would see like, there was like a random dude in Florida who had a van and he would treat patients in his van and stuff. And it was cool, <laughs> but not, not from like that, that mentor, that, Mama Bear, I'm gonna take you under my wing, I'm gonna show you how to do this and I got you. I I remember that feeling it was very, very, uh, very visceral. But in light of being really just defiantly committed to what you want, sometimes it is gonna go completely against the grain and sometimes completely against the grain, even with the people that love you the most. And that's that's tricky. You have to really listen.
0: I'm in China. How many doctors do you know? I know of about five that have made it to China, and me and this other guy, we've been here three to five years, and it's unheard of. Yeah. And not people are not going to do it. They're not going to do it.
1: Not comfortable at all. Not comfortable. We we talked about that just as much before the interview started, right? I was telling you how I did my preceptorship in New Zealand, and I remember people thinking, well, you can't do that like what about the boards what are the board regulations how will you find a clinic and all of these things but it's like yeah but i want to do this like i you could have stayed comfortable in the states as could have i but you didn't want to you had your reasons but how sad would that have been had you not yeah. had you not made that move right how different would you have been how, how not authentic would you have been right had you not
0: oh, who knows what i would be doing right now like, you know, I have no idea. Like my own mentality, where I'd be at, definitely would be podcasting. Yeah, that's for, for sure. For sure, I think about, this has been great. I
1: think about that too. I think about if I decided to stay as an associate, I could have stayed there. I, I could have stayed and eventually built a patient base and eventually made some kind of decent cash. But I think about, you know, I think about doctors I talk to, and I say this so lovingly who have been stuck in a practice that they do not like for five, 10, 20 years. And it's a long time. It's a long time. time. And it's scary to change. And the longer you're in a situation, it's even harder to make that change. So it's why that's why my mom, my mom up here totally kicks in. I'm like, okay, let's, let's get all the junk out of what you're afraid of and, and really figure this out. So you have a clear plan of what to, what to look out to. But, but I think that's just it. Like if Boy, if you're in a position right now in life where you are not happy with where you're at, it's really a matter of taking a simple choice. Because in the worst case scenario, let's just say you fail. Let's say you went to China and your prep is totally completely bombed, right? Nothing worked. You'd figure it out anyways, you'd do something different, but at least you can look back and say you tried. You gave it a go, right? And that, yeah. that's how I felt with house calls. That's how I felt when I switched to online. I taught when I wrote a book. All of it was just like, well, I want to do it. I'm going to at least give it a go. And I've had plenty of things in my business where I've had plenty of ideas, programs, marketing campaigns that have completely tanked, that have been horrible, where I haven't sold anything. Um, and then I realized, well, that's okay. I'll just create something different
0: or I'll communicate it. To- yeah, they can't take away what you learned in that experience.
1: Yeah, no way. Best lessons are there.
0: See, that's what's nice too about if you have a brick and mortar and you're thinking about this, nobody said you have to close the door. You're probably in a lease. So you could just take a day or two and just try it and commit Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. And then if it really goes getting big, you can always sublease your building, sell it to somebody else. I mean, you can kind of figure it out. Yeah. I had one quick question before we switch gears. I just like, you know, two more questions or so for you. Sure. The books that you have. Yeah. If we were to buy those books, would we get enough knowledge to where we could say, I'm good to go? Or would it be yeah. enough where you're like, maybe I could get it to go if I know what I'm doing, but uh, I think I need to do the eight-week program. Does that make sense? Sometimes our books are so good where you're like, wow, I just gave away the farm if people just would know how to do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. That's a really, really great question. And so there's two ways I can answer it is there's there's two types of people that I find, right? There are people who are as, as do-it-yourself as possible. They just want to scratch the surface and know kind of the core concepts and the core ideas. And if I know the, the framework and I can run with it, let me just give it a go. So on that side of the coin, if you're a, you know, I just want to understand a little bit what this is
0: about. I'm learning. Should I do this?
1: I'll drop 10, 15 bucks and let me just read the book and see what I can figure out. Sure, um, but I intentionally like I didn't I didn't write the book so my book so much so that it's a like a play by play full detail strategic plan. I talk really conceptually about what the model is because a lot of doctors have very fundamental conceptual questions that I'd have to uh, probably write like a few a few books just to break down everything from soup to nuts. So right. you know, in fairness, if you're the type of doctor that's like I just want to dip my toe in the pool. I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm getting myself into. I don't even know if I want to do this. Then yeah, get get a book. That's fine. Start okay. start there. It's okay. also why I have free training on there. Like there's like a free three part mini course. Like take that. See. And then I have people who want to dive deeper. I have people who know they want to do it, who know they wanna do house calls. They know they want to do it right. They love the idea of accountability. They want to make sure they have an actual method on how to do it. And that's who the program's for. So there's really two different camps of people. And for people who are are really considering the program, one of the things I always like to talk about, too, is there's always that investment up front, but it's always like what. What's the like? What do you want this to look like for the course of your life? I think is really important because after eight weeks, people get access to the content anyways. Like, they still get it for life, so it's really no big deal. You just buy it once you have it. But yeah. I think that it really depends on the person. So I have different resources available because I understand that people are crossing paths with me at very, very different moments of interest. Or desire or commitment. So if they're kind of like the lower, I'm not really sure. Cool, get the free training, get the book, read all of the blogs on the website. But if you know that you want structure and you're you've tried it before and it hasn't worked, or you wanna you need to start making money and get the successful as fast as, pro, as possible, then following the method in the program would make the most sense. You're actually gonna save money yeah. and time doing it that way. But that's, that's why I have it for both ends to to really serve people based on where they're at. So, yeah, great question. I'm glad you
0: asked that. All right. Because I know I've been known to buy a book, read a blog, watch a video, or uh, take a coach up on their $99 program. Like, hey, 99 is way better than 2099 Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for $99, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do this program for a month and just kind of get my feet wet. And yeah. then you realize, like, meh. I'm glad I didn't spend $3,000 on this person. Mm-hmm. So,
1: and then on the other anyway. side, there's the other argument too, right? And that's the thing, like, those resources should be available. Like, most, most people who are in a space like myself should have resources available for someone to make sure, is this really what they want to do and what they want to pursue it? My other on the flip side of that, though, and it's a, it's a mild pet peeve, and I say it lovingly, is that this is not a practice model you can build on Band-Aids. This is not something where you can ask one question or get one answer or read one post and do it right, because a lot of times what I'll find are two things. There's the strategic side of this and how to do it right, but the deeper part of this is the mindset piece. Every single doctor comes to me with head trash about the conventional model, what they feel like they're supposed to do. And make a lot of common mistakes up front that my goal for them is how to help actually literally rebuild their mindset into more of an unconventional space so they're in alignment with what they want. Because it's like when you're trying to take care of a patient and you're thinking, ah, oh, no. I'll just give them a quick adjustment, right? If a patient comes to you and is like, you know, I got a headache. Yeah, I've got this cervical curve. It's completely out of whack. Yeah, I had the car accident, right? I mean, that's the analogy that I think of. And if you were to adjust that patient one time, sure, they'll probably feel better, right? If you're a good chiropractor and you've taken away some of their pain, awesome. Have you created a transformation, though? Odds are not, right? You've probably not fixed that curve. You've probably not changed how their muscles fire. You've probably not changed their neurology in their cervical spine. Yeah. There's, there's a transformation that has to happen. And with that requires a commitment. So that's where like the people I do my best work with are the ones who are super committed to this. Like I don't work with people who want the Band-Aid approach. And I say it lovingly. If you do want to do that, then check out all the other resources I've got. But if you want to dive in and work as a team, my friend, I got you. So, but again, my level of perspectives, you
0: know? I think that makes a lot of sense because of the we're conditioned one way for 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. And then to just jump ship and do something else, you're going to have a lot of roadblocks. Um, yeah. Switching gears, I like to go personal. There's a lot of people, you know, they make six figures, double, triple six figures, and then they end up divorced or whatever. And I hate that. Right. And then also, people like to take more vacation and, from what I've heard, you are heading out of the states, and you are going to do this whole consulting thing worldwide.
1: Yeah, tell
0: me about that a little bit. Yeah,
1: so it's it's pretty exciting. So I've I've always been a explorer at heart. I've always loved traveling, but ironically, in you know earlier years of private practice, I just never carved out the time to do it. And then you, you can't. Know, you just can't. There's just there's just no no room for that. And so part of why I transitioned into house calls, having that practice for six years and then into online consulting just to have the freedom of time. So since 2009, my work has been for the most part, very part time. You know, I'm working, I'm working on a a half day basis or now things are very online and I can do my work from anywhere. So I'm completely location independent. And ironically, one of my clients, i am actually coaching her out of her house call practice now into becoming location independent because she realizes she wants even more freedom. So, um, I think for me, balance has always been a big deal, more than even money, right? Because I feel like if I can have a lifestyle where my time is my own, I can work from anywhere in the world, my needs are very minimal and my possessions are very minimal, that gives me a whole different type of freedom. So that's what's great about being online now as a consultant is I can work with clients from anywhere they're mainly states based but I don't need to see them in person, right? It's all virtual, virtual programs, virtual coaching. It's anywhere in the world. And for the longest time, i wanted to do a trip around the world and spend months exploring um, different parts of the planet. And I just never was really able to do it. Um, private practice, that was one thing. You can't really take off 18 months, right, doing that. But then, that also, but then also... 18 days yeah, for most I know, people. right? But then also when... Um, With my partner, he and I had a had a dog, and so it's really hard to travel internationally with a dog. There's like countries like Australia and the UK, like the quarantines are crazy. So all of this stuff, and so um, I, so my plan is starting in October to be 100% nomadic. So I have my awesome home base here in the mountains of Utah, but I'm going to be 100% nomadic for a minimum of 12, probably 18 months, and then I'm going to start my journey down in um, Australia and New Zealand, and then spend a couple months there, then move up to Southeast Asia, spend a couple months there, and then move to um, Europe. But there's no clear plan. It's a one-way ticket to Australia, and no clearer than the after that. And I, I intentionally wanted to design it that way, because I like the idea of that unknown, and that novelty. Not exactly knowing how this is going to all unfold. And part of why I'm doing it is, well, it's just going to be an amazing experience. But, but in my core, we all have these different sides of ourselves, right? Like there's the doctor side and the practice side, and then you have the husband, wife, partner, mother, father side, right? One of the sides that I've just not expressed enough is that the side who wants to travel and, and share about my, my stories of exploring. And, and in turn, it's not just from a, a self, you know, discovery standpoint, but it is my hope to also inspire other people that if there are things that they're putting on hold, they have their bucket list that they keep putting on hold until they retire.
0: Oh, no. What?
1: No. What can they actually do to start to live into that now, sooner in life and start to experience those things? So part of my hope in doing that is also you know, sharing my own lessons that I'm learning and sharing what's crazy scary about this journey, what's exciting, what's liberating, what am I learning and discovering to in the,
0: where are you going to live?
1: Um, I'll, I'll probably do like Airbnbs. That's one of my most favorite places. Okay.
0: Because Australia and New Zealand is crazy expensive. So I was just like, where are you going to go? Because you have to make a lot of money you know, to, to support.
1: Surprise. It's funny you say that. It's actually not. The Australian dollar is really weak now compared to the American dollar. Ah. So like the American dollar is like a dollar sixty per Australian dollar. So it's actually really cheap to live in Australia and New Zealand right now. So, it's oh. a really, really good time. Yeah, if you do like a currency conversion, like economically, the Australian dollar is not performing super great. I actually just made some new friends oh, from that's Australia. Great. Yeah, I, I did like a three week um, hiking tour in Canada, and I made some new friends from Australia, and they said this is the perfect time to come. Unfortunately, it's not the great time for them to come to the States, but it's a great right. time to now travel to Australia. But I love that. I love, I'll, I'll be bringing a suitcase and a backpack. That will accommodate everything I need from outdoor trekking, hiking, um, some mountaineering that I want to start to get into, everything that I need for work, professional clothes, all of that. So I love that. I love stripping away everything I know and and walking away and doing something different. Awesome. It's, it's cleansing. And I think that's where sometimes it's so easy to get caught in, like, the the routines of life and the structure of life. But we really are creatures of novelty. We really all, like, love to have, like new things, new stimuli. It's why, it's why we love to travel. It's why we love to taste new food. It's why we love to go somewhere and explore. My goal is to create as much of a life that's filled with novelty as possible. So I'm really excited for the journey. I'm excited to share it along the way
0: too. Matt, I recommend two places. Sure. All right. You're going to go to Thailand, right? Yeah,
1: of course. Yes.
0: Okay. Phuket. Have you heard of that place? I
1: have. I have a really good friend who goes there year. says it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's going to be great. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna go to these private islands and snorkel, and it's gonna be amazing. And uh, you just kind of want to work that day. (laughs) And a place that you may not have thought about, Cambodia.
1: Oh, good to know.
0: There is, you look it up. It's like ancient ruins in Cambodia, Uh, like Angkor Wat is one of the place places. Yeah, unbelievable. It is. I mean, even if you just went for like four days and just like really be a massive tourist, get in there and get out, like yeah. So beautiful, like you could ride your bikes through these three thousand year old ruins and all Ugh. kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, hands down. I don't know if I'd go back because I've already been, but yeah, it was definitely one of those. Like you should definitely go. Oh, so
1: it's amazing. I appreciate that. Well, I think that's part of it too. Is like there are the things that are much more on the map, or like Thailand. Like everyone would say if you're going to Southeast Asia, go to Thailand. But I've even had some friends say, go to like Laos and like Myanmar. Like go to these smaller countries that still not a lot of people have discovered. So I appreciate those recommendations.
0: I'm going to culture appropriate at some point in ho- for Halloween. Uh, I went to Myanmar, Burma. We, I, went to, uh, I went to the beach. My wife went climb a mountain that's 21,000 feet in the air. Yeah. And I was like, I'm not doing that and I have to leave the country. So <laughs> I went there and you see definitely a massive difference between like the resort you're staying in and then two miles down the street where the people stay that work there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, all the guys wear these like fabric skirts. Yeah. And, like everybody just wears that. So. You know, of course, as a tourist, it's like, yeah, so I got me and my wife one and we wore around town one time in China. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I think it's gonna be like a, a Halloween costume one day, because there's no other time of the year in America where you could really get away with wearing right. that outfit. <laughs>
1: right, right. It's more of like an association, right? Like now there's a memory because you have that piece of clothing from there, but it wouldn't be like, yeah, acceptable, I we're guess. But maybe
0: we're not shot glass purse, people. Just
1: bust the norm to just wear it. That's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. If you love it, just I wear mean it. souvenirs
0: are great, but I'm not buying magnets. We bought magnets for fridges. That was the only thing we really bought. We were like, We need something small that can fit in a box and we can leave with. We yes. don't need something crazy. A yeah. bunch of t shirts with Thailand written on it. Come no. on. I've never wanted a souvenir I have never wanted really like accumulating stuff. Like, I'd rather
1: accumulate like memories through photos or um like yes. experiences like what your wife does. Like I, I love like I love epic climbs. I love epic hiking. Um, or, or something that's like very, very personal. Like one of my favorite souvenirs, if you will, came from when I was in Peru last year. And you go to the cities of Peru and there's, there's everything starts to look the same for the while. Like the same tchotchkes, the same blankets. And it's all beautiful. But we were doing this right. two-day hike in the Sacred Valley. And it was an overnight hike where we camped by these Inca ruins. It was the most amazing experience. And we're at about probably... Thirteen thousand feet, and there are these two women knitting along the trail, and they have these hand woven goods. I, if I can show it to you spin it around, I have like this textile, and there was this table runner that they had just finished weaving. Yes, that that I'm like, oh, I I I, I want to have this because it made me think of like these amazing people. And, and this amazing culture and I'm picture exactly the site of the still the, the the terraces on the mountains where they still be farming just like the Incas did like there's so much memory in that you know for me the, those are always my favorite kind of souvenirs of like what can take you back to a place so like that piece of clothing I totally get it because it just it takes you back there even if you swear to the private your cup privacy your home right yeah. <laughs> right it's so, still like it takes-
0: in Cambodia yeah we got a couple of placemats for your dinner table you know your, for your table you put your plate on top yeah we got something like that we we're like ah that'll be you know we haven't seen that before I'm, I'm telling you my mom has all these these uh fine china from who knows how many generations i'm like i'm not buying plates ever again i'm gonna just borrow the fine china <laughs> and i'm just gonna use them and if they break so <laughs> because i am not carrying that around exactly. for 30 years no i'm like you i'm like i can live in two suitcases yes exactly I'd like to you keep accumulate it that crap. way. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's that's sort of like a, that's a common theme that I really like to work with people on is how to letting go of the things that you're attached to. And sometimes those are physical things. Sometimes those are circumstances. And sometimes those are just beliefs about yourself more often than not. Right. And how do you like. Sometimes
0: they just go in an attic of a friend. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Well, sometimes <laughs> it's a lot of it is like, how do you, Part of it is like detaching from things that no longer make you happy or detaching from things that just weigh you down, which is why the house call, everything about my own journey, I understand like the theme of my life because house calls allowed me to detach from everything I knew. It's the most minimalist way to practice. Have car, have table, will travel, do house calls. Right? And then switching to online so I could strip away possessions. I like that feeling because I, I think we can accumulate so much baggage in our life and that can be physical baggage, but gosh, more often than not, it's the mental stuff, right? Who do we believe ourselves to be? Like the, the, the self image issues, the, the questions, the confidence. And I think we need to continually cultivate ways to be fearless, maybe even a little bit reckless sometimes just to see what we can do. Like this upcoming weekend, just for just to share that I, I practice what I preach. I'm I'm doing my first ever mountain marathon now. I've never run a marathon in my life. Um, I've never run a half marathon in my life. I've done like a couple five Ks. But I, after coming off of um, Canada, my longest hike I did with a really good friend was a 20 mile hike. And then all of a sudden I get back to Utah and I see this sign for this this mid mountain marathon. I'm like, okay, I I'm not really a runner. My knees aren't super great, but I'm just gonna try it. I'm just gonna try it and see what happens. And so I signed up for it. I've literally given myself a week to prepare. Last week I did a 24 mile hike just
0: to prepare for it. And um, <laughs> yeah, yeah this is why your knees are bad.
1: Yeah, yeah, well it's different hiking versus running. Like that's totally the difference. But I want.
0: I've, I'm with you. I could walk a lot.
1: Yeah, walking it versus running is very different. But but I want to do it because I've always, actually always wanted to pursue tougher adventures and pursue trail running and just try to figure all of that out. And I thought, you know what, if I overthink this, I'm never going to do it. And I have no idea how it's going to go. I There's time limits that I need to hit. And I, I feel a lot of doubt and pressure, but also I'm excited just to see what I can do. And, and sometimes I think you can't dip your toe in the pool. Sometimes I think you have to just go for something, even if you don't know what the outcome is going to be and just see what happens. So I really try to Live that as much in my life as possible because I find that's where a lot of the growth happens. If sometimes you just just go for it, don't question it, don't think about it so much, don't let that fear-based part of your brain talk you out of it. I mean, I'm gonna want to vomit at the start of the race. I'm gonna be so nervous. I know that. But but you. But I think it's in those moments in life where you are mildly terrified is where where that transformation is gonna happen because you know you're pushing yourself so far beyond like starting my house call practice was completely terrifying. Sometimes I thought it was completely bad for doing it. But now when I look back on what I've been able to create and who I've been able to help, I wouldn't have changed it for a thing But I would have never done it. If I let the fear take hold, you know, and I think that's really, really important for all of us. We, all of those fears that can hold us back if we choose, or we can choose to just move past them.
0: Last question here. Somehow you found a partner that, uh, is on your same wavelength and is capable of leaving with you. Um, so what is your secret to staying in love and keeping the, the spark in your heart?
1: Yeah, well, I think you look at, like, my partner and I, like, we're not married, but we might as well be. We've been together for, like, eight years. And I think, look, like any relationship, we've we've had the ups and downs. And I think part of what we've... Two secrets that I've found that we've really created is the first is you can never take for granted what how good it is what you have, right? I'm very lucky to have someone who has a similar lifestyle as me. He works online. I've I've gotten into more hiking. He's gotten more outdoorsy. Um, we, <laughs> we, share, we share more and more similarities as we actually grow through life together. And I think the first secret is to not take that partnership for granted. I think so easily when we're with someone 24-7, I mean, gosh, we both work from home, so we're together all the time you find yourself in a position where like you just you take it for granted. You take the fact that he puts a uh, tea kettle on the stove every morning for me for granted because it's just what he does. Um, you take that that proximity to someone and sharing a life together for granted. So one practice that I found to be really helpful and we're not perfect at it, but when we do it great, is at night to actually acknowledge each other for what we've done. Acknowledge each other for what we did in Ooh. the day. But it could be something that that person's just done for themselves or for their business, or maybe they just were like a rock star um, with a client today, or something that we've done for each other. So like on Saturday, Ryan did a good part of the the 24 mile hike with me. He did like 17 miles for it. So that night, like I really acknowledged him. I'm like, thank you for. He's like, I was your Sherpa that day. <laughs> I'm like, Thank you for pushing yourself because I know this really pushes you like you haven't done these hikes. So I think acknowledgements are huge. If you can take a time to daily, do a daily acknowledgement of your partner of something they've done with you or for you, that's really awesome because it keeps that appreciation alive. You don't take that for granted. Second thing I would say, too, is the novelty piece. I mean, we live in a beautiful part of Utah, We have a a really nice, comfortable home. It's nothing crazy, but it's perfect. It's just enough space for us. We can have a really comfortable, stable life here, but we intentionally choose novelty through travel, choosing different trails, choosing different foods, choosing different experiences. How can we continually bring more novelty into our life that keeps things fresh? And I think that's the second key, is when you can explore things in life together, you build stronger bonds But you also create an opportunity just to always add spice, right? You're never allowing that routine to get too, too comfortable. And ironically, we find that when we travel, we're that much more present for ourselves and with each other. And time just crawls because there's so much new to explore. So whether you're in a position to travel a lot or not, I would say, where can you cultivate novelty, right? Are you doing date nights? If not, maybe do them on a Tuesday night instead of a Thursday night, right? Are you eating the same thing every Monday? Are you going to the same coffee shop? Are you going for the same walk in your neighborhood? Like rewrite it all. Rewrite one thing at a time and just see what happens in those micro changes. So if you acknowledge each other and you create novelty consistently in your way of life, I think those are of the biggest keys to at least what I've experienced to have longevity and, and fulfillment along the way too. It's not perfect, but it, but it, but that's part of it, right? That ebb and flow of figuring out how can you keep refining? It is a partnership. You know, it's very different from just dating and um, how can you continually grow together? Having some of those common practices really builds a stronger bond. I found
0: it's a great answer. Thank you so much for that. You're welcome. Website again was, com as well as housecallpractice.com. Any other links that we should know about?
1: For uh, yeah, for house call practice, if you go to that website, you'll see resources for free training books, Facebook group, lots of resources there. And Dr. Jen Faber, all of my social media handles are Dr. Jen Faber, so Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, just all Dr. Jen Faber, super simple. So, but the websites will be a good place to start to then redirect you from there. If, People listening, if they want to learn more about building a practice model that's really innovative and you don't want to do brick and mortar, you want to learn more about house calls, then go to housecallpractice.com. That's the site. That's the website's going to be most relevant to you. If you're in a position where you feel just stuck in your life path and you're looking to change things up, you're feeling burned out, you're feeling a little bit lost, you want to change your life direction, then Dr. Jen Favre will be the site to start with.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: My pleasure, Dr. Justin. It's been great. I've really enjoyed our conversation and just thank you for being super thought-provoking. I, I appreciate being able to share my own journey and, and my own lessons and knowledge with your audience. So thanks for the opportunity.
0: Another great interview has ended. While you're on your phone, click that review button. Write up a nice review for me. Five stars if you could. As everyone says in the industry, it'll help Other people to find us when we have enough rankings, not to mention, I'll mention you and your review on an upcoming episode. If you follow me at all on Instagram, you know you only get one link. So I use a link tree. And so it's a doctorsperspective.net slash links with an S. And that's gonna give you everything you need to know. The top episodes of 2017 and 2018, the podiatry series, dentist acupuncture series, holiday 2017, financial series, how to write a review. How to support the show, like buying a cup of coffee, getting swag, like t-shirts. The Today's Choices is Tomorrow's Health book. That's the blueprints for better health, exercise, picking food correctly and financial. And then, of course, bundle packs, which can get you the No Needle Acupuncture book for 40 common conditions, including the electric acupuncture pin at a great deal. The resources page has some of the products that I like. It's a affiliate style, so if you buy something from them, I get a piece of that. Just like on the show notes pages, if you buy a book from clicking that link, I get a small piece of that as well. So I really appreciate that. Things like Screencast-O-Matic, VPN, Missing Letter, JLab Speakers, Prolone Edge or Hot Grips. Uh, once again, if you do need any coaching on how to improve some of your blood work, drop weight and the Prolone Diet, Fast Mimicking Diet, five-day plan, let me know as well as if you just need some coaching, whether it's health, whether it's marketing, whether you need some practice growth, etc., reach out. Facebook, Justin Trosclair MCC. Of course, at a doctorsperspective.net on the top right, you got all the social media icons that you can imagine. Click your favorite and reach out. Thank you so much for tuning in. Please tell a friend, pass it along. You can go to .net slash listen. It's just that easy. It'll open up right in your app. And don't forget, I appreciate you. Listen, critically think, and integrate. See you on the mini on Thursdays and Saturdays. Hope you're enjoying those. I'm definitely having fun summarizing these podcasts in less than 10 minutes for you. You get the nuggets without having to waste your time. Have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said by all means please share across your social media write a review and if you go to the show notes page you can find all the references for today's guest you've been listening to dr justin trostclair giving you a doctor's perspective